Bill Cummins had a dream to be a singing cowboy, despite a farming accident that nearly took off the fingers of his right hand. Then, losing his mother at age 15, he kept pursuing his dream. In an inspirational story, Bill Cummins got to live his dream. Now, at 86, he looks back fondly on those memorable years. Oh, well, it was a dream. I just, I didn't realize I was fulfilling my dream until I was about 20 years old. I studied it one night. I said, here I am, 20 years old, dead broke, lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the World Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm Renee Hare. And I'm John Hare. Each week on the show, it's our turn to talk about horses. Before we do, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Patreon is a way you can support the Woe Podcast. The Woe Podcast is in its fifth year with over 150 episodes, nearly 100 videos. While we aren't wearing out, our equipment is. You can show your support for the show on our Patreon page. It's easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash John Hare and check it out. We hope to add a few more rewards. We have a t-shirt and decal in design that will look super sharp and look good around the barn. And we want every contributor to supply us with a photo of you and your horse so we can post it on the Woe Podcast support page. There's a link to Patreon at woepodcast.com. You can help us produce even better content. Now, let's get to this week's show. Renee, we have Cowboy Bill Cummins on the show today. Bill is 86 and lives in Florida. Growing up on a farm in Ohio with his dad and four brothers, life was hard. The farm had no electricity or plumbing. The U.S. was struggling with the Great Depression, dealing with the Second World War, and Bill's family was struggling to make a living. Everyone, and even more importantly, every animal, had to pull their own weight on the farm. Even when a terrier wandered onto their farm, he wasn't allowed to stay until he proved he could catch the barn rats. In his book, King and the Cowboy, Bill talks about losing his mother at 15, and there was little time to mourn because the workload just got heavier. But Bill had a dream to be a singing cowboy and kept pursuing that dream. I was fighting a cold during this conversation. Please excuse my raspy voice. But now, let's listen to Bill Cummins on the Woe Podcast. Hello. Hi, is this Cowboy Bill? (laughs) Sounds like John. It is. (laughs) We're talking today with Cowboy Bill Cummins from Florida. Bill, good morning, and welcome to the Woe Podcast. Well, good morning to you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Bill, you've had a life with horses, and as a singing cowboy, can you can you tell us a little brief history about your life? Well, I think I was born next to a horse. <laughs> I think my first, first thing I saw was a horse, and I fell in love with him and never got over it. I just grew up uh, wanting to be close to him and, uh, and to be um, experiencing him as friends, not as a horse or a human, just just wanted to be with him all the time. When, they, when I had a little cold, my first little cold, I'd go out in the pasture and lay down when he was laying down sunning himself. And uh, i just lay there on his tummy until he got up, just, just wanted to be next to him, just that kind of a desire. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Ohio, uh, the home of, of course, Roy Rogers, and but my hero was Gene Autry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sang like Gene, but I had a big stallion like a Trigger, so I'm a sort of a crossover. 
But um, growing up, I, I had uh, three dreams. I wanted to um, be a singing cowboy and uh, on the radio or on the movies like Gene Autry. That was my ultimate goal. And by the gosh, by the time I was 18, I had a big stallion on stage, uh, had a band, and uh, was headlining across the Midwest as Smiling Bill and his Wonder Horse King. <laughs> and how, how old are you now, Bill? I just turned 86 last, uh, well, beginning of this month. When you grew up, there, you grew up in some pretty tough times. That was around Depression era, wasn't it? That was at the very bottom of the Great Depression and just 10 years away from the start of the largest world war we've ever had, World War II. But I missed both of them as, as active participants because I was too young to know we were poor. And I was too young to, to go into the service. <laughs> when did you first leave home to to head for life on the road and try to become a, a singing cowboy? Well, actually, I didn't. I did all this while I was working on the farm oh, really? um, with my with my dad and four brothers. We and dad kept us busy. We worked seven days a week, and uh, I didn't. We didn't even take time off on Sunday to rest. We just worked. What did you farm? We farmed. Uh, we farmed up in Northwest Ohio at a big. Uh, we had a big resort near where we lived, and that's where I trained King. It was in Northwest Ohio near Lima, Wapakoneta, actually right next to where Neil Armstrong uh, was born and raised. Oh, interesting. And how did King come into your life? Well, at uh, age 15, uh, I had been training and working with horses on my spare time, and as, as well as learning uh, to sing and play the guitar. Uh, I had memorized about 300 songs by the time I was 17. My gosh. But when I was 15, uh, uh, the fellow that owned the riding ranch, called a, a riding stable really, up near this big resort, asked me to during the summer to come up and run the ranch for him. Mm-hmm. which was a pretty good honor for right. someone 15 years old. Yes. <laughs> so for, for three months in the summer, I would run that ranch from daylight to dark uh, for him seven days a week wow. and did that for three years. And that's where I met King. He had a little colt, Palomino colt, when I first went there named King. And uh, we hit it off and uh, then uh, some traveling a uh, cowboy and his father and his and his horse came and stabled their horse there during the uh, time they would be showing their horse at the local um, floor show, the big floor show in this area. Uh-huh. And uh, while he was stabled there, he taught me how to train King and uh, and and to spin the rope and do the do the Australian whip and a whole bunch of things. <laughs> That was that was my uh, education. And what was uh, the uh, basis of his training technique? Well, his technique was basically to not have the horse do anything that it didn't do naturally. Uh-huh. And of course, you know that's the secret to all horse training. You can't yes. make them do something that they are unable to do. Uh, but if you follow their instincts, like teaching him how to throw a kiss or to say yes and no and uh, to kneel or walk on his lay, his knees or or bow and lay down and sit up and all those things 
follow the natural sequence. You didn't happen to sit down before you had him kneel down on his knees right. so he could lay down. <laughs> it was it was a it's a matter of just plain old common horse sense, really, is what I call it. And you and King must have been pretty tight if you uh, knew him. Well, we we sort of we came into this together and um, and learned together, but we learned to uh, trust each other. The hardest part of any horse training is to get their trust. Once you've got that, you've got a, a, a friend forever. As long as you don't mess up, you can't play with them anymore. You've got to always be consistent and serious. But you can have fun just riding, you know. And did you get to ride King much? I mean, was he on the road a lot? Or, you know, if you're working, I don't know, always picture a working horse and then just being able to go out in the country and go for a ride. Were you able to do that with King? I, I did that a lot. We I would ride him with all of our my best outfit and his best saddle and bridle and breast collar. And uh, we'd go down through the through this big resort to advertise the show and to advertise oh, the ranch. Yes. So I, but I rode, um, I rode another horse named Lady all every day, uh-huh. uh, working with the people that were running the horses, and I go out and keep them safe because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, I had everybody from little kids to grandparents uh, riding for the first time sometime. Wow. What were some of the favorite? Your favorite tricks that you taught King? My favorite was uh, was when I kneeled him down onto his knees. Uh, we went into, um, well, we'd walk on his knees a few steps. Then I would stretch his head out into what we call the camel stretch, uh, lay his head away out as far as we could get it. And then I'd go around in the back and uh, jump up on his rear end and stand there and take my hat off. And of course, we got a lot of applause for that. Wow. But the next, the next thing I would do would be to just pull his reins a little bit and pull his head up between his knees into what looked like a prayer a position. Prayer position, yes. That was my favorite. Uh, I'd stand there with my uh, hat off, and, and of course we got applied. The announcer would, uh, the owner of the horse was the announcer, and he would tell him that we were now going into a prayer. And uh, and I, I always tell people neither King nor I either one had ever been in church, but uh, we prayed anyhow. <laughs> very cool, very cool. <laughs> I didn't go to church until I was about 22 years old. <laughs> yeah, in your travels across the country as a singing cowboy, this is, might be a little bit off topic, but I had read a book about uh, the beautiful Jim Key. Did you ever run into him? I don't, I'm not sure he was in the same time frame, or do you know who he is? No, I don't. No, I. I there's a, several uh, cowboy stars that's up in New England and all over that I heard about, but back then it was it was tough to just get around, let alone look up other people. Uh-huh. And so I never did. And when you traveled, what kind of shows did you put on across the country? Well, we had uh, we had a huge show, sometimes even including the people that trained me. Uh, with their with their uh, horse named Pinto and the bull, they had a bull trained, and but we I had a band uh, that traveled with me, as, and I had King, and I did trick roping, and the other fellow did trick roping, and then we had uh, sometimes if we were outside, we had a traveling uh, baseball donkey team. <laughs> <laughs> 
so we could entertain almost every field. <laughs> wow. They had a big, had a reconditioned school bus that we put the donkeys in. Oh my goodness. You travel around the country with a school bus full of donkeys? Oh, yes. <laughs> those were the times back then, weren't they, Bill? Yeah, oh my. You know, those donkeys would go in and play basketball. Let, you, you just let people ride them and pretend they were either out on playing softball or uh, in, in playing basketball. Yeah, it was the same same technique, just different venues. <laughs> you know, you've written a book about uh, your life with King, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, our our show is called Smiling Bill and His Wonder Horse King, mm -hmm. and uh, so when I wrote the book, I decided I'd give him top billing and reverse it, so I called it King and the Cowboy. <laughs> so that's how that came about. <laughs> But um, after I retired from engineering, I, after I left showbiz, I went into engineering and became a very successful engineer. And uh, after 40 years of that, I, I retired and uh, started writing. I've written about five books now. But King and the Cowboy is my favorite. And uh, I had to recall, um, I had to go back six decades to recall the exact stage show word by word i put it in there just exactly as as we performed it is that right put a chapter in there about trick roping how you could learn how to trick rope with all the with all the uh pictures i have about 100 pictures in there that people took and gave to me i didn't own a camera or anything i was i was poor as a church mouse as they say <laughs> but uh but I ended up with about 120 pictures. I think 100 of them are in that book. It's a wonderful book. Everybody that's um, read it, uh, one lady said, I didn't even know anything about horses. But she said, by the time I finished it, I was in love with King, too. Oh, I thought wow. <laughs> Another one said, you actually lived every little boy dream uh, as a cowboy. I said, yeah, I really did. I hadn't thought about that. How long did uh, How long was your career with King? It was about five years. five years. Let's see, about five, six years. And then uh, I was doing shows on weekend and I took a job in a factory to make a little money and ended up meeting the Lord there and uh, switching from showbiz to engineering, of all things. I'm, I think I'm God's only cowboy engineer. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of engineering did you do? Well, I wound up as a, I, I graduated as a mechanical engineer, working okay. nights or, or working and studying at home and college when I could. And then I became what's known now as an environmental engineer, where I designed uh, water treatment facilities for big cities and, and, and counties uh, up and down the Ohio River, all the way from Louisville up to Wheeling. I think I did six or eight plants in there, one in Columbus, Ohio, but Millions of people today are drinking the water that I helped design the plant for. Awesome. When you went into engineering, did, were horses still a part of your life? No. I, when uh, when you switch from, to be a star in both anything you do, you got to be 100% uh, in it. So I really uh, left uh, the showbiz behind. Uh, I was afraid to tell people I wanted to, that wanted me to design their plants that I had been a cowboy singer. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. So I never even mentioned it, except every time we had a big party at our consulting company, 
I would wind up singing and doing rope tricks. Doggone it, you can't get it out of your hide. (laughs) I bet you can't. Did you have little uh, pearls of wisdom like uh, Will Rogers? Oh, I I use him a lot. Did you? Yeah, but I use a lot of my dad. My dad loved horses, and uh, and I, I... tried to recall as I wrote the book all his gems and uh, I guess the one takeaway that I got the most out of was he said Bill I I heard him um, he made a he took a couple of barrel slats tied them together and put a little stick between so they would make a lot of noise if he slapped them together Uh And, and when I heard him one day in the stall and he said get over you know to this his favorite horse babe and then I heard this slap, this big bang, like a gun going off. And uh, I went in, and here he just slapped the horse across the rear end to get it to move over in the stall. I said, well, what are you doing that for, Dad? And he said, well, Bill, if you make a horse mind in the barn, he'll mind you when he gets out of the barn. <laughs> so I thought... Well, I can use that in my family. So I, that was my rule when I raised all my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Never had any trouble with them. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So that's a, that's a pearl that I, I think ought to be passed on. But he, he, just, he just plain loved the horses, and I picked it up from him. So what are some of your favorite stories on the road? Oh, my. Uh, getting, getting King ready. For the show was uh, was a whole episode of I used a pearl shampoo. He had a white mane and a big white tail, and uh, I would wash those mane and tail. And then I would wash him all over. And I mean, for a stallion, there's some parts you don't want to touch, but I still did it to get the get him cleaned up. So that was that was a whole experience, just getting him ready for the show. Then I would braid his his mane and his tail so they would be wavy. But when I went, uh, when we would get ready to go into the show, now we went in, you know, with bands blaring and uh, uh, California Here I Come was our theme song. Uh-huh. And when I'd stand outside the front door, usually went in the same door that the um, that the patrons, especially in nightclubs, would go right in, through, right right down through the crowd, bareback. Wow! Uh, but I would stand out there outside the door, and uh, I'd, I'd talk to King, and uh, I could hear his skin ripple, and his ears flip back and forth, and. Uh, he was just as excited to go in there as I was. And we, that was the parts I remembered as much as being on stage. Um, I guess being on stage, uh, you always have to, the king always had to know where I was. When I went around the back to jump up on him, I always put my hand on his hip uh-huh. so that since he couldn't see me, he knew where I was. Um, if a horse doesn't see you, on a show like that, they can revert very quickly back to their instincts, and and that would be very bad. So right. he would cock his head sideways to make sure he could see what I was doing, and that was that was one of the big secrets. It sounds like uh, King was quite the showman. Anyway, he enjoyed being out there in front of the crowd. He did. He was a gentle stallion. Um, but he was a stallion. I, I put in the book that he never disappointed a mare, and everybody laughed at that line. 
So he was a, and then one one PhD fellow read the book and he he called him a Lothario stallion. <laughs> he said, Bill and his Lothario stallion. Of course, I had to go look that up, which meant he's quite a romantic soul, you know. <laughs> now you're, you're doing live. You're essentially doing live theater uh, shows, and with any live theater, there's always things that uh, that may go awry. Did you have any of those incidents? Well, the when we did his rehearsal, when we did it in this big nightclub, and you talk about sweating, King was wet, I was wet, <laughs> and the stage was a mess. He was he was <laughs> he was nervous, and it showed. Uh-huh. So after that, after that, I learned how to potty train before we go into the show. Oh, really? How'd you do that? Well, again, you go back to their natural instincts, and it was—it's a—it's a very simple thing. If you'd like for me to reveal one of my biggest secrets, <laughs> I sure. can do it. Yes, you betcha. We got to get—we well, have to—we have to wet people's appetite a little bit, I think, right? <laughs> well, uh, along with the uh, signal that I gave him to say yes, which nobody, nobody could see me visibly move. Period. Mm-hmm. to give him that signal. This potty training was the next best. Before we'd, I'd take him out of the trailer and usually there's grass around and, and you're there a while and there's usually some manure, as we call it. Mm-hmm. And um, before we go in, I'd just take him over and let him, he would naturally go down and smell and touch that. And that would set him off. And he would just go to the potty right there. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. And and uh, people don't didn't believe me, but that's about the same way you train a little kid. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you take them in and show them what they're <laughs> what they're supposed to do. I'm seeing a theme here, Bill. <laughs> I'm seeing a real, a very similar theme between you, your horses, and your kids. Oh yes, and and they they loved it. Of course, they when I get my rope out to practice on them, they would run with a terror, you know, because I catch them by the legs and they, they didn't like that very much. But, uh, but, uh, the, um, the, the secret to my signal for saying yes. Now, of course, when you say a horse, no, you, you, you've taught them to pretend there's a fly on their neck. So you just point at their neck eventually and they'll shake their head sideways. But, I taught him to say yes by just looking him in the eye. Oh. When I, I never looked him in the eye until when I looked him in the eye, he'd shake that head up and down, just yes, 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 you know. Very cool. And, and during the show, the MC would give me a question. Of course, King was the star. I was just standing there, you know, holding him. But I'd, I'd give him the wrong answer. And, of course, then the MC would have to back up and ask him <laughs> if he was sure and all that. And we had a lot of fun. You can make a show last. It lasted about 45 minutes by the time we got on and off. Goodness. It was a rather long, long show, but it was a, it was, it was fun. And people really enjoyed it. We had a, we had a lot of uh, rave reviews about it. Did you travel or did you play mainly in one place? We normally would travel where we could get there and then do the show. We might travel all day to get there and then most of the night to get home. But we could travel back then. If you go 150 miles or 200 miles, 
with a whole troop like that it was a pretty good day. We and we did a lot of private parties, and they loved, of course, the donkeys. But we still did the shows and the singing, and uh, and it's 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 uh, it's quite an ordeal to to travel uh, with a troop like that. How many were there of you? I think that when we were had the whole, the full show, there was probably uh, eight or nine of us. Well, with the band and all, my goodness, we probably had a dozen or fifteen. Wow. You were uh, how old at this time? I was uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, I think, oh, along in there. That's quite an adventure for a young man. Oh, well, it was a dream. I just I didn't realize I was uh, fulfilling my dream <laughs> until I was about 20 years old. I studied it one night, and I said, here I am, 20 years old, dead broke, lonely. <laughs> 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 and so... Well, that's when I pulled out a little red Bible that I'd been given in high school and started reading in that, and that then changed my life. But I, I've never gotten, I've always been a cowboy. I always will be a cowboy. I'm going to have uh, Gene Autry's song sung at my funeral. It's in the book, recorded in there. And uh, about uh, I, several decades, just a few years ago, this was back in the late 40s, just a few years ago, I was invited back to the theater, one of the big theater that's on the front of the book called Shines Holland Theater, a beautiful theater. Mm-hmm. They invited me back to headline a big parade, horse parade uh, through town and show at that theater called uh, Oktoberfest of the West. It was a whole week. They treated me uh, just like a cowboy movie star. I was signing autographs and doing interviews and doing shows all week long and here i was i was like 75 years old or more i was almost i was almost 80 i was in my 80s at that time did you ever get to meet your your boyhood idols i got to see gene uh, personally at a at a show there in ohio Mm -hmm. one time with with the king and that was uh, that was a highlight. I also loved country music, so I went to Nashville as a teenager by myself a couple of times to see all the old-time country singers. Right. Uh, so I, I I combined I called it country western back then is what yeah, what I sang. But I Gene wrote some of the most beautiful cowboy songs ever written. He was he was quite an artist. Did you get to meet any any of the other celebrities? Well, King uh, Johnny Mac Brown was appearing at the Michigan State Fair, and of course we were in Northwest Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, and back then he rented King instead of flying his horse out, he rented King for the week. I think he paid the owner five hundred dollars for that one week, which is a huge amount of money back wow. then. But so I have an autograph of him, but I didn't meet him. I didn't go up with King. Um, to to the shows, but I do have an autographed picture of Johnny. That's awesome. But uh, I just uh, and Roy Rogers, of course, is terrific. Yeah, he's. Uh, I I'm glad I'm a crossover. I got Trigger and I got Gene to crossover there. <laughs> and well, as we wrap this thing up, Bill, can you give us your favorite King story? Oh, my favorite King story. I hadn't thought about that. I guess first meeting him, when uh, I remember uh, going to the to the stable to my first day, and he had a special box stall that we kept him in because he was a stallion. He's a colt, about 
it was going on three uh-huh. and all the and all the other we had about a dozen other horses that I was managing and I had to get those ready but I remember the first day we I walked by his stall and looking at him and looking in his eye and <laughs> um, I could see him doing the same thing to me <laughs> I, I I felt it you know I I can still see his eye because after that I, I he watched me all the time with that left eye but uh I think there was an instant communication and respect here I was a young teenage cowboy dreamer and he hadn't gotten anything accomplished yet either and uh, we just grew up together I suppose that would be uh, my favorite story very that's very sweet if you got just one more minute there's a chapter in there called the last goodbye where I met I went to see King when he was about 35 years old. I hadn't seen him since he was maybe five or six years old. I uh, put in that last goodbye, and uh, the hardest chapter I had to write in the book was that one. So I would, if people love horses, they'll love that chapter. That sounds great. And what? Tell us a little bit about that last meeting, if you can. Just a few. Just a few of the details. Well, I uh, I hadn't seen King uh, for 30 years, and that's kind of amazing. And where where was well, he at this point? Was he still in Ohio? The owner still had him. He was born with this fellow named Lou Jenkins, and uh, he kept him all his life. He, he loved King as much as I did. Wow. And he just kept him, and, uh, and I think they continued to show after I left to become an engineer. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, I pulled into the to where Lou lived, and um, I saw King out in the field. He was old; he was thirty-five years old, still standing and grazing. And I went up to the house, and he wasn't home. So on the way out, I stopped and went over to the fence. All I said was "King," and <laughs> whew, hard to talk about. Uh-huh. Up on his head. <laughs> looked in my direction and uh, and we we spent some time together just reminiscing about how ornery we, we both were and so on men talk you know wow and then i drove off but it was the toughest chapter that i wrote it was it was really really hard i can imagine it would have been well that's a very sweet story bill and uh, thanks for sharing that it's a wonderful book to read. If you love horses, you'll, you'll end up loving King. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you like me at all, but you'll surely <laughs> love King. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, Bill. Thank you for sharing, uh, coming on the Woe Podcast and sharing your life with King and your life on the road as a singing cowboy. Well, it's been nothing but a pleasure for me. I, um, I'm back being a cowboy now, writing and still do rope shows and uh, storytelling. I use a lot of Will Rogers' wit and wisdom. And he did that a lot. He became very famous just telling stories and doing trick roping. (laughs) Yes, he did. So you still swing a rope? Oh, yes. I still do the rope. I do the rope tricks. And uh, and then one of them is a a flying half hitch, um, which I use my wife as my target. 
I'm sure she appreciates and I stand, that. Stand <laughs> twenty feet away and uh, throw a half hitch upside down over her head, uh, which is quite an amazing thing to see. Like it that. isn't easy to do. But uh, I put a whole chapter in there on how to be a trick roper in the book. The uh, the book, uh, if people want to want to look at it or anything, I would recommend they go to Amazon and uh, just just go into the title of King and the Cowboy by William A. Cummins. That's the only way I can get it to come up. And hopefully everybody else can if they want to look at it. Okay. If they want to get a signed copy, they could just call me or... Uh, or email me if they want. Great. I'll put all I'll put that information into the show notes, and people can contact you. Is there any other way that people can find find out more or learn more about Cowboy Bill Cummins? Well, there I have got quite a bit on on the uh, publishing site, that, uh, but I also own the publishing company. When I started writing uh, eleven years ago, I decided I'd just publish all the books. I publish other people's books too, but. Mm-hmm. It's it's called caipublishing.net, and that's that's there's a lot of information in there about my background and a lot of a lot of stories and shows I've done where they write about uh, in, about my background and. Well, thanks once again, Bill, for being on the Woe Podcast, and I look forward to uh, getting a copy of your book and and learning about you and your life with King. I, I'm get a copy in the mail to you, and I hope you and Renee enjoy it as much as I enjoyed writing it. I, I, I surely would love to meet you. You sound like you'd be a, a horse, a real horse lover too. And that's oh, wonderful. I am definitely a horse lover. Yep. <laughs> is is Renee that that's infatuated with horses? Yes, she is. She's the one who oh. uh, got me excited about the whole deal. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh. We really luck out when we luck into wonderful wives. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. All, all you have to do is make one right decision in life, and then the rest of it just kind of follows along, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> we won't tell them that, but that's true. <laughs> oh, John, it's been a pleasure on this end. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for uh, inviting me onto your podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. Thanks to Smiling Bill for sharing his story of King and the Singing Cowboy years. You can check out Bill's book, King and the Cowboy, at Amazon.com or CAI Publishing. And we'll have all the links in the show notes. And stay in touch. Well Podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to the Well Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and you'll never miss an episode. And consider checking out our Patreon page and supporting the Woe Podcast. We hope to add more good stuff and continue to bring you entertaining and informative shows. Patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, then forward slash John Hare, all one word, or simply go to woepodcast.com and find the Patreon button. Need more? You can join our mailing list at woepodcast.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening at the Woe Podcast. And John will send you some of his favorite horsemanship tips. Things you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please keep sharing our podcast about horses and horsemanship with your friends. And until next time, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye.